good to be back. <laughs> so nice to see you all and so nice to see some new faces as well. Well, I've had a great morning already. Have you? <laughs> Fantastic. And welcome to our online guests as well. It's so good to be back among family. Well, I'm here to talk today about serving and we're going to start our new series called A Kingdom Heart. So we're going to be looking to this week and next week, we're going to be looking about serving in the kingdom and what really reflects this kingdom heart. And we're going to be looking in the, in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew and a, a teaching of Jesus. What did Jesus teach? You know, interestingly, Matthew is um, a great discipleship book. In the early church, the book of Matthew will be passed around the churches in order to teach and to show new Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians how now to walk in this new life of God, how now to follow God now they've come to Jesus. So there's so much for us to learn in the book of Matthew. But back then, back in the early church, just as it does today, the teachings of Jesus can at first seem quite hard <laughs> and quite unreasonable sometimes <laughs> and really just quite confusing. And I think the reason is because it goes against much of what we've believed to be true. It goes against much of what the, the world's logic has told us to be true or the belief systems and the conditioning that we've had according to the culture that we've been born into. You see, every one of us um, have a certain perspective and an understanding about the world and the way the world operates according to the cultural influence we were born into. So according to its ideas, its customs, its language, its traditions, that which identifies us as belonging to a certain group. So I know in this church we have quite a lot of South Africans. Give us a wave. <laughs> Any South Africans today? There you are at the back. So you've been brought up with what that means, the customs and the traditions of being South African. I know we have a lot of Italians in the house. Give us a wave. So that will, uh, will be different. Where's our Aussies? Give us a wave. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. So that, again, will be different. <laughs> so I was born in England. So I've been brought up in the English culture. And I was born in Northern England in a um, city called Manchester. Yay, yay! <laughs> And Manchester was, up until the early 1980s, was a coal mining town. So it was predominantly working class and it was quite a rough and ready, a dirty, gritty, roll your sleeves up, get your hands in type of city. And everyone worked hard for what they'd got. Nothing come easy. They all worked hard, nothing come easy. So the culture was, you kind of just toughened up and you got on with it. <laughs> You know, you've you heard that phrase, you know, you just pick yourself up and you just dust yourself off and you just get on with it. Toughen up, princess. Whatever comes your way, you just keep going. So to have this kind of stiff upper lip, this hard coping exterior was the culture that I was born into and grew up in. So that has been a real part of my journey and a real challenge for me as I've come to Christ and began to walk in his ways to really let go of that and begin to detangle my identity from that and begin to learn, relearn who my identity is in Christ and what the new kingdom culture now is that should be shaping 
my understanding of myself and the understanding of the world. Now, when Jesus come and when he was ministering on the earth, he was, um, he was mainly teaching the nation of Israel, which was the Jewish culture. So again, they had their understanding of the world through their cultural filter. And that is mainly what Jesus is speaking into and challenging. But it's so relevant for us today as well. Because when we do encounter Jesus, when we encounter kingdom culture, the kingdom of God and kingdom truth, that's the universal truth, the overrides cultural and ethnicity truth that we've been born into. And this can be sometimes where the real challenge begins, where the real struggle lies, because what we grew up believing all our lives, the foundations of them, that truth that we've been standing on begins to shake and begins to wobble and doesn't seem so secure anymore. And for a time, it can cause this tension, this wrestling within ourselves until these new beliefs are formed in our mind, in our heart, and then they can be lived out by us. Does that make sense? <laughs> Good. Did you ever notice where the gospel went? Um, when we read the Bible, it caused disturbance. It caused tension. It caused uproar in most cases. Jesus and his, and his disciples, you know, they faced a lot of persecution for the gospel and still people do today. And why is that? Because it challenges us to the very core. It challenges that man-made identity. It challenged what we've believed all our lives and it's very uncomfy then to stay the same. It's very uncomfy to keep living the same sinful lives that we've been living. It uncovers things we'd rather kept hidden. It challenges us and the way we see ourselves and the way we see others around us. So the teaching we're going to look at today and over the next few weeks regarding serving, it probably is going to challenge us and it probably is going to cause that tension. But what I ask is that we stay committed with open ears and open hearts to see where it's also trying to invite us into and to see where it's trying to transform us and how it's trying to transform us to live in that higher place. Amen? Okay, so what does it mean to reflect a kingdom heart and be truly great in the kingdom of God? Well, the text we're going to look at today is Matthew 20. 20 to 28, and I'm going to read the whole text because it's just going to set us up for this week and next week. Then the mother of, Zeb of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked him for a favor. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom of God. You don't know what you're asking, says Jesus to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? Yes, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile Lord, Gentiles Lord Lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom 
the many. So such a great teaching we have here in the book of Matthew about how to walk in the ways of the Lord. And again, how this new kingdom culture is what needs to be shaping our lives. And what I want to draw out from this scripture this morning is is four points overall. Two points, how not to reflect a kingdom heart. So what doesn't reflect a kingdom heart? And two points, what does reflect a kingdom heart? (laughs) Okay, but a little bit of background to the text. So this conversation is when Jesus and his disciples are on the road to Jerusalem. So they've left Galilee and they're on the road to Jerusalem where Jesus will be crucified. So this is kind of their last home stretch together, their last journey. Jesus, he's delivered the beautiful Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's done most of his amazing, mighty works, taught many, many parables. And the disciples have been with him this whole time, seen and heard all this. And now here they are on the way to Jerusalem where he will be um, crucified. And it's on this journey that Jesus begins to remind them and to try and drill into them that he will die in Jerusalem. He will be put to death at the hands of the authorities and the high priests. Actually, the path to his glory is going to be one of humility and suffering. He's trying to get that through to them, that the road to greatness in the kingdom of God is actually going to be one of humility in service to others and laying one's life down for the sake of others. 1 Peter 5, 5 tells us, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Matthew 23, 12 tells us, But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be humbled exalted. The road to greatness in the kingdom of God is a path of humility. But the disciples, they just don't really seem to be processing the suffering, humility, service, pour your life outside of it. (laughs) You see, we've just talked about the preconceived ideas and the the pre-assumptions and the beliefs. Well, for, for Jewish people, the ushering in of the kingdom and the Messiah was going to be this great moment where they'd overthrow the Roman rule and they'd have this earthly reign and earthly glory for the Messiah to come and suffer and die was was really just not in their realm of thinking so it's obvious that the predominant thought of the disciples at that moment was still this kind of earthly glory reign because it's just on the back of Jesus telling him telling them that he's going to suffer and die that the request comes that they can be honored and in this place of glory and at his right and left side They were trying to position themselves. They were trying to do this power play and secure a position of honor and glory for themselves. And that brings me to my first point. What doesn't reflect a kingdom heart? We don't exalt ourselves or lift ourselves up. We don't need to to hustle or wrestle or back people into a corner or try and fling doors open for ourselves. We read in Peter, what what did we read in Peter? God opposes the proud, he resists this. He resists this, this kind of action, this kind of heart, but he shows favor to the humble because it's God that will exalt you. It's God that will exalt you when the time is right. Did you ever hear the phrase, before you can lead, you must learn how to serve? 
Before you can lead, you must learn how to serve. And Jesus patterned this for us absolutely beautifully. And that's who we are to pattern after. We don't honor and exalt ourselves. And this might be what the world has told us that we should do. That's the world's norm that we should do that. But it doesn't reflect a kingdom heart. And it doesn't reflect greatness in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus just outright rejects this request. He resists the proud. Proverbs 15.33 tells us, Wisdom's instructions is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. And you know what makes this, this kind of request from the mother of James and John, this, we can kind of see this power play in action here. What, what makes it more interesting is, is when we put the, the whole four accounts of the Gospels together, we actually learn, we learn in Mark that the mother of the sons of Zebedee who made the request, we firstly learn that she's called um, Salome. And then in the book of um, John, we understand that she's actually Mary's sister, the mother of Jesus, Mary's sister. So it's widely accepted now that this, this lady, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, was actually Jesus' aunt. So she's using this kind of family connection um, position, but kind of pulling on the whole, whole heartstrings of Jesus to try and secure a place of honor for her sons. Perhaps she thought it was her right, seeing as well they were family. Perhaps she thought that was their entitlement, seen as well they were family. But Jesus didn't see it that way. And we don't need to act like this. We don't need to be threatened by anybody else. And why do I mention all this? Well, it's to highlight a fact that I think can so easily be overlooked in service and church life and ministry is the truth that we have all in Christ, been given the greatest position we are ever going to need. We have all been accepted into the family of God. We are all God's beloved children. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We have the best, greatest position any one of us could ever have dreamed of. And it's that position that we serve out of. It's knowing our position and our security in Christ that we serve out from and we can love from. We have the greatest position we're ever going to need. And it compared to our spiritual position, compared to our position in the kingdom of God, it makes any other earthly positions that we might have been grappling for just pale, pale in comparison We have all had our position secured equally, equally. We are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God, secured in Christ. And it is this security we can serve out of. Ephesians 1.5 tells us, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Every single one of us has been given equal standing in the family of God, secured our position through Christ. And we don't need to 
hustle about and try and secure things and prove our worth because Jesus has already proved your worth when he died for you on the cross. And that's a positions, that's not we need to be, what we need to be concerning ourselves wrestling with. The only thing we need to concern ourselves wrestling with is the renewing of our minds, is the renewing of our hearts. So, so our old systems and our wrong uh, belief systems, they become renewed with this life-giving truth. Matthew 18.3 says, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to relearn, like children, what it means. Ephesians 4.22.24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Which brings us to our second point of how not to reflect a kingdom heart. We don't need to serve out of selfish ambition and for gain, for what we can get gain out of it. Like our former way of life has told us we do. You know, James and John, um, in this moment, when they're making this request to Jesus, you know, their interest isn't for the welfare of others. Their interest is really for themselves and what they can gain out of it. Or what can I gain out of following Jesus? What's in it for me? If I'm going to serve this Lord, if I'm going to give up so much for the sake of others, if I'm going to sacrifice for the sake of others, well, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? It's not how to reflect a kingdom heart. And I'm not saying that they were bad people (laughs) and that they didn't love Jesus and have admiration for Jesus. They clearly did. They clearly did. But it was just in this moment, in this moment of this, in this process of sort of renewing ourselves and walking in the kingdom of God and living by kingdom culture, you can see that this, this residual kind of selfishness still sat there in their hearts. A lingering question. Just this wrong motive trying to rear its ugly head. Oh, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? What can I gain? But we need to remember our great example, Jesus. And he didn't come for what he could get out of it. He didn't come for what he could get. He came for what he could give. Amen? He emptied himself, emptied himself for our enormous benefit and gain. He came for what he could give. He didn't come for what he could get. And he is who we should be patterning our lives after. Not the worldly way of doing things. We know that beautiful verse in Philippians 2, um, 6, where he says, Who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And we are called to reflect this character. We are called to reflect this kingdom heart. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do nothing, 
It's best to do nothing if it's coming from a place of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We don't focus on a career or what we can get out of it or our namesake. It's not how we reflect a kingdom heart. And it's not where we're going to find purpose or identity. Amen? They're shaky things. They're wobbly things. And when we try and lock into that and secure into that, you're in for a rough road. We find it, again, in the security of the position that we've been given in Christ. And a maintained focus on love and humility in serving God and serving others. That's where we're going to find who we are. That's where we're going to find our purpose. That's the truth that's unshakable. That's the truth we can anchor ourselves in. Amen? Where am I? The road to honor is humility. And we need to be awfully careful and on our guards and watchful for pride creeping in. Because pride will distort the motive from which you serve from. And it knows no boundaries. It gets in the church. We know that if we read 1 Corinthians. That church was full of pride and competition and who can speak better, who's got the best spiritual gifts. So we need to be very, very aware of it creeping in. Matthew 16, um, 6 says, Jesus, sorry, had to warn his disciples about it. He said in Matthew 16, 6, be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be on your guard that that proud attitude, that proud self-righteousness doesn't creep in with you. And, the re- and, the, and if he had to warn them, it means there's a reality of it happening, isn't it? Because if there wasn't, then he wouldn't have mentioned it. So there's a very real reality of it happening, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to be on our guard. Because pride, what does pride keep us more focused on? Us. Pride keeps us focused on ourselves. It doesn't keep us focused on God. It doesn't keep us focused on others. It keeps us focused on ourselves. And it blocks a life of surrender to the Holy Spirit and his ways, which is serving in humility and love. Pride, it, it, it comes like a barrier between us and God. In Jeremiah 17, um, it says, yeah, they didn't listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked, which is a symbolism, for they were proud, and they wouldn't listen or respond to discipline. To reflect a kingdom heart and to be great in the kingdom of God. It's not about power plays. It's not about trying to position yourself. It's not about what you can get out of it or selfish ambition and gain, but it's about humility self-denial, self-sacrifice for his sake and others. It says in the text, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. This is not your calling in Christ. You will lead by a completely different model. So what is that model? What can we get out of these texts? Two ways that do reflect a kingdom heart. Well, firstly, just like Jesus did, we come with a heart to serve and not be served. We come with a heart to serve and not be served. For the Son of Man came to be served, uh, came to serve but not be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is what we're called to reflect. This is what we're called to pattern after. 
the Holy Spirit is, is working in us, forming Christ in us, and it's our job to cooperate and submit to this. A life characterized by selfless servanthood, like the life of Jesus. That's what we are to model. That's what reflects the kingdom heart, and that's what is seen as greatness in the kingdom of God. We come to serve others, not be served. It's so simple. It doesn't need much explanation, does it? Perhaps it just needs a lot of highlighting, a lot of emphasis. We come to serve others, not be served. It's so simple, so profound. My motive is not what I can get out of others, not what can I get out of this. My motive is what can I give others? How can I bless others? My motive is not looking out for self, looking out for self-interest. My motive is looking out for the best interests of others. Amen. Amen. That's what reflects a kingdom heart. And how can we do that? Because we're secure in our position. And this frees us up. This frees us up. We're free. Where the spirit of life is, there is freedom. It frees us up when we get this. It frees us up to love and to serve and to give selflessly and to worry about other people and not ourselves. One of our greatest commands, Matthew um, 22, 37. You probably all know this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Our greatest command, to love God with all our hearts, and then to love others. And why is that? Because it's people that are made in the image of God. It's you and I that bear the image of God. It's you and I that his spirit indwells it's not positions it's not titles it's not human praise that's not what we're to love and serve we're to love and serve those that are made in the image of God it's your neighbor it's your neighbor that has the intrinsic value of being made in the image of God and that's what he wants us to see in people that's what he wants us to see and recognize and value and love and serve and I love this beautiful, beautiful text in Matthew 24, uh, 25. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous man will answer him, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? When did we go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for, the, um, for one of the least one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's people that bear his image. It's people that are made in the image of God and have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Reflect a kingdom heart is having a servant perspective. To reflect a kingdom heart is having a servant perspective. He says, the greatest one among you will live as those who are called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with a servant heart. 
And of course, what is the most famous, famous illustration given to us of this in the Bible? It's the foot washing, Jesus and his disciples. I tried to look for a sermon illustration, but I just can't get past this one. The King of Kings, creator of heaven and earth, whose everything is his. And he takes, he lays all that aside and he takes a posture of a servant. He takes a posture of a servant. And if our motive isn't anchored in this foot washing, then we've completely missed what Jesus Christ has come to show us. And we're not imitating the love of God. You know, we ask the Lord, Lord, give us a heart to feel what you feel, Lord. Give us eyes to see what you see. But if we, if we saw what he saw and if we felt what he felt, would we serve like he served and would we love others like he loved others? Because otherwise, church, why should he grant us such a privilege? He says to his disciples, are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from? He said to them, can you do it? And he asked us today, are you prepared Can you do it? Can you pour out yourselves? Can you give everything for the kingdom of God? Can you do it? Are you prepared? Which brings me to my final point. To reflect a kingdom heart and to be truly great in the kingdom of God, we need complete reliance on the Holy Spirit. Complete reliance on the Holy Spirit. You know, the most wonderful understanding of scriptures and and the most beautifully delivered sermon means nothing if you're not living it out. It means nothing. Because if we're not living this out, then we're not being the light for people to see. We're not being the light. In fact, we're probably just making a lot of noise and being very confusing to people. Because if we say we follow Jesus, but we don't walk in the ways of Jesus, then that's misleading. And people get confused. And that's not what God has called his church to be. He's called us to be a shining light. He's called us to be the pillar of the community. He's called us to be the gospel in action, not just in a book. He's called us to be his body on this earth. And are we prepared to drink from his cup? To do so, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a beautiful verse in Colossians which gives us an example of walking in the ways of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, greatness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I've all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I want to get real just for a moment. Sometimes that verse is very hard for me to live out all the time. Sometimes it's not in my own strength. I can't do this because we deal with people. We live with people. We all know how difficult that can be at times. I can't do this in my own strength. We need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to walk that out. That's why it's so important as Christians, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We get filled with His very being, His power so we can live this life that he's called us to live, so we can live from the place of the Spirit. It's his Spirit in us that wars against the flesh in us. And we need to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not in our own effort. We didn't have a command to try harder. When we try harder, all that does is strengthen the will. And it's self-will and self-autonomy that is usually the problem. We need the help and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The path to greatness in the kingdom of God is a path of humility. The way to honor in the kingdom of God is through a servant perspective. Now, I just want to close. And let's just ponder, what is the challenge here? What is the invite? What is the challenge? If this Christian life of service and following God is never going to look like fame or honor or prestige or titles, are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Can we settle that within ourselves and continue to pour out ourselves for the sake of others. If what we do mainly goes unseen by human eyes or mainly um, doesn't get voiced by human praise, will we still drink from his cup? Will we still continue knowing his eyes see and his heart rejoices and his reward will be great? And when the true evaluation is made in the end, you will be marked as great in the kingdom of God. So will we accept his invite this morning? Will we allow him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to just free us from all these earthly holds and desires, the desires of praise, the desires of recognition on this earthly world? Will we allow him to strip us of pride, gain, unpure motive, selfish ambition? Can he have that? And will we allow him to clothe us with himself in kindness, gentleness, compassion, humility, and love? So we can indeed, just like our Lord, just like the great example, we can indeed serve like he served and love like he loved. Amen. Amen. Okay, church, I just want to pray for you if that's all right. We just bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for this great example which we've been given of how to live our lives. Thank you that you give us the power to be able to do it as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just pray that, that this word this morning may move some things in people's hearts. I pray it challenges people, but I pray, pray it draws people up higher, Father, into your freedom, into where you want them to be. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great love for us. Just a love that is just knows no end. And we praise and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you have not made a decision yet to follow Jesus, if, if you've just not made that decision, but you can feel, you can feel him in your heart. You can feel this something. Then this, this is a moment for you. And if you're online as well, then, then please just repeat this prayer after me. And we'll all repeat it together at church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you just lay everything aside. And you came to earth and you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins this morning. I choose to follow you and live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hold up, hand over to our amazing, amazing worship team. And they're just going to sing a song for us. Thank you. We stand, join us. Let's worship the King together.
came to earth. You came to earth, stepped in the dirt. You walked this road for me. You walked this road for me. Everything I feel, you felt it first. You walked this road for me. You walked this road, King forevermore. incredible word, hey, to have a kingdom heart. Is my mind working? There it is there. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, uh, if you're in the building, we have a gift pack for you to help you on your journey. If you're online, make sure you reach out to us and we'll get some resources to you. And congratulations, the heavens are celebrating this morning. The one person entering into the kingdom of God. Amen. Next week, we have Mel Crothers and band here in the building. You don't want to miss it. Uh, so make sure you're here next week. Mel Crothers, uh, an amazing worship uh, leader and singer. She's going to be in the house. Um, also, we've got some tag team preachers. Two tag team preachers. You don't want to miss that. So make sure you're here to encourage those that are stepping up and into the gift that God has called them to. Amen. Now, on your seats, you have some invite cards as well. Please. Connect, grow in power. We can't grow if we're first not connecting, amen? Take these, put them in your pocket, put them in your purse and reach out to somebody this week. Reach out to someone this week and invite them to church, hey? Is that all right? Amen. And last of all, we are going down to dunk some people uh, this afternoon. And so normally we have uh, food and fellowship and we hang around for about five hours, not really. Uh, and, and the setup guys love it, not really. Uh, but we are just having coffee today, just coffee today. So there's no food because we're having a sausage sizzle and some food down at Sorrento Beach. So we just asked as well, we're going to do a quick pack down. As you can see, we're a set up and pack down church. We're going to do a quick pack down. So we ask that anyone that can help, if you can help us pack down, grab your hot coffee and help us pack down and we'll head down to Sorrento Beach. Amen. What a great service, hey? We'll see you next week and uh, we love you guys and we're praying for you. And if you'd like prayer, please come forward. Pastor Adele is here to pray for you.